The Jeep Talk Show, now in stereo. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. This episode of the Jeep Talk Show is brought to you by ExtremeTerrain.com, your off-road outfitter for YJ to JL Wrangler parts and accessories. Stay tuned for an announcement, a big announcement on their latest Throttle Out episode filmed in Sand Hollow, Utah, titled How to Drive on Sand and Dunes the Right Way. Hey, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never driven anything but Jeeps, this show is for you. Josh, Tammy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about Jeeps. Hi, this is Tony, living in Texas, and I've only seen snow twice in my life. I like snow. Mm, I do too. <laughs> and hello to all of our loyal listeners, and if you're new to the show, I'm the know-it-all loudmouth with too many voices in my head. <laughs> hey, I'm Tammy. I'm the cool one on the show because I drive a black Wrangler. <sighs> hey, Tony. Oh, I know. <laughs> What's coming up on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show? Well, Tammy, I'm glad you asked. Our guest this episode is Mr. Blaine from BlackMagicBrakes.com. And for this week in Jeep, the Gladiator goes racing at King of the Hammers. And we have a Jeep survival story you don't want to miss. Wrangler Talk, changing Jeep goals. Tammy tells you about how getting a Yeti may tame your Jeep both on and off-road in Jeep Mama's product review. And Nikki G translate. Uh, translates FM Jeeper's son. And of course, oh, much, yeah, much, much, much more. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. This Week in Jeep is brought to you, of course, by Amazon.com. Looking for a way to beat the cold and melt the snow? Amazon and the Jeep Talk Show have you covered. Clicking the big Amazon logo on our site takes you right to where you need to go to get what you need all while supporting the show for no extra charge. If you like what we're doing here, then consider supporting the show by shopping on Amazon after clicking the logo on our site. Well, the 2020 Jeep Gladiator is going off-road racing. That's right, folks. The 2020 Jeep Gladiator is billed as the most capable mid-sized truck ever built on the planet. To prove its prowess, the, tr- the tough truck will compete in the grueling everyman challenge at the King of the Hammers Desert Off-Road Race, thanks to a partnership with Savvy Off-Road, an aftermarket shop based in Corona, California. The truck will enter the Spider Tracks 4600 stock class and be driven by the one and only Robbie Gordon, who has raced for decades in the desert, NASCAR, IndyCar, and many road racing series as well. And accompanying him will be two-time King of the Hammers champion Eric Miller. Gordon will handle the high-speed portions of the course, while Miller will be tasked with driving the Gladiator Rubicon on the tight rock sections. The race kicked off February 6th at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time in Johnson Valley, California. Behind the wheel of the Jeep Gladiator, Miller set the fastest time in the 4600 class this week on the two-mile qualifying course, beating the next closest competitor by more than 10 seconds. In a recent interview, Tim Kanuskas, head of the Jeep brand, said, quote, Jeep has been attending King of the Hammers for many years, listening to, observing, and engaging the group of hardcore off-road enthusiasts who gather there. The all-new Jeep Gladiator's high-speed locker protocol is a direct outcome of their input. So, we figured even though we haven't built the first customer unit yet, why not bring it out and put it to the test at this ultimate proving ground, the toughest one-day off-road race in the world. Well, I like the way that Tim thinks. 
All vehicles competing in the Spider Tracks 4600 stock class of the King of the Hammers Everyman Challenge are required to use a factory engine, stock frame and body, a single shock at each wheel, and 35-inch tires. If you need a refresher, well, the all-new Jeep Gladiator is powered by a 3.6-liter Pentastar V6 engine that produces 285 horsepower and 260 foot-pounds of torque and is mated to a standard 6-speed manual or an optional 8-speed automatic transmission. Jeep's first pickup in over 25 years boasts a body-on-frame design that uses advanced materials and engineering to be lightweight, yet stiff and durable, and features an all-new high-strength steel frame. Modifications made to the truck by Savvy Off-Road include custom linking coil suspension with Fox Remote Reservoir shocks, Dynatrack 60 front and rear axles, beadlock wheels with 35-inch Falcon Wild Peak Mid-Terrain tires, a winch, and of course, a safety cage. The interior has been mostly unchanged apart from the addition of Sparco racing seats and the removal of the rear seats. If you want to see the Jeep in action, be sure to check out the results at ultra4racing.com. Now, I think it's kind of interesting they went with the Falcon tires. Is that a, a common tire used in off-road racing? Falcon has been, long since been a big desert racing uh, competitor, um, the, a sponsor and, and manufacturer. You'll find Falcon uh, mud train tires in a lot of desert racing. Now, is that to say that they are the only, the go-to? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, there are a lot of others out there that a lot of racers swear by. Falcon just happens to be one of the big names out there. Gotcha. That's got to be really exciting. Can you imagine getting the call? Hey, uh, the new Jeep truck, you know, the one we haven't released yet. How'd you like to go uh, race that out into the uh, the desert me. at King of the Hammers? <laughs> well, I, I like that, that the head of the Jeep brand is choosing this type of stage to test their technology. Now, obviously, we've heard it from the man himself that, you know, Jeep has been out there talking with the racers. They've been listening to the guys out there that are actually racing and putting this kind of gear through its paces. What works? What doesn't? What's more reliable? What do you want to see? And this is the kind of stuff that we're starting to see actually come to fruition in the 2020 Gladiator, the new Jeep pickup that's going to be coming out here in another year or so. So um, the fact that they're, they're using that kind of a stage to test that kind of technology proves to me that Jeep is really taking its direction very seriously as far as appealing to the off-road audience, not just, well, the soccer moms and, and people who like Jeep for the sake of Jeep. Right. Some of the, the, the newer models, the Fiat, more Fiat-ish Jeeps that have come out that uh, uh, I think don't appeal to the hardcore Jeeper fans. It's nice to see that they still are uh, interested in uh, the hardcore Jeepers. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would love to have uh, to met Tim Kanuskas, his, his party out there. I'm, I imagine that they show up in style. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we uh, we spoke with Rob uh, uh, Bender-Parker a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I can just imagine uh, what it's like uh, to, to go out to something that was just some little thing that you went and did and has become this huge thing where a city li- literally builds up overnight. Man, I want to I want to go out there with an RV so bad. Yeah, just yeah. just hang out for a week and and just experience that and talk with all the vendors and racers. Oh, God, I, I I could live out there. Oh, I'd be awesome. Yeah, if the RV is rocking, uh, uh, please barge in. I'm probably having a seizure. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Well, you know how I like, uh, you know, happy endings, uh, sto- stories that have happy endings and, uh, um, you know, those feel-good Jeep stories. This one on the surface had me very concerned. I was almost uh, on the fence about whether or not I was going to talk about it here on the show or not. But when I got into the story, did a little bit of research, saw that um, that it had a happy ending, I was like, all right, we need to get this one out, here, out to the airways. 
So 18-year-old Maya and her 21-year-old boyfriend Carlos had been snow camping on January 30th, which I believe was a Wednesday or Thursday, but decided to further explore California's Mendocino National Forest the next day. Unfortunately, the weather quickly turned south, trail conditions worsened, and not having a whole lot of experience snow wheeling, the pair's yellow Jeep Wrangler TJ got stuck pretty bad. They tried, but they failed to dig the Jeep out. They were stuck. Most certainly they were stuck. And in the middle of nowhere, with no cell phone, no, no cell phone service, no shortwave or CB radio, well, it didn't take long for the couple to realize they were in big trouble. It was Maya's also first time ever being in the snow. But she was an experienced camper and knew what to do in the situation. So they started rationing food, stayed inside the vehicle, and as the temperatures dipped below freezing, they did what they could to survive. They made a, st- a sign saying, help needed, stuck, yellow Jeep, and posted it near what they thought was a trailhead. According to the National Weather Service, the forecast was calling for over a foot of snow to fall over the weekend. On day two, the rear flap of their soft top broke, forcing them to make some inventive emergency repairs in the hopes of staying alive. The couple was supposed to return to home to San Francisco on Friday night, and their parents went to police to report them missing on Saturday. Now enter Jason Logan and his father-in-law, Ron Lovell. They had heard the news reports that a couple was missing in the area, in their area, and debated going out to search for them. A public plea from the boyfriend's sister was enough to get them on their snowmobiles, however. After four hours of searching the snowy wilderness on Monday, Logan told Reading ABC affiliate KRCR they were about ready to call it quits. They met up with another group out looking for the couple and doubled down their efforts. Just 30 minutes after that meeting, the day of searching finally paid off. As the father and son team rounded a turn on their snowmobiles, they saw it, a half-buried yellow TJ sitting about 300 yards away. Despite the excitement, Logan's thoughts turned to reality. Would the pair have even survived this ordeal? Not having any communications with the couple, there was no telling what he was about to find. Well, he soon got his answer. Almost immediately upon seeing the Jeep, its horn started blaring. Both doors flung open and the couple came rushing out from either side. Trucks were called in and the couple and their Jeep were towed to safety where the family was waiting. The rescue had finally come and likely came just in the nick of time as well. The region got hit by a very nasty snowstorm on Tuesday with the snowfall that it had dumped. Everybody involved was fairly convinced the Jeep would have been buried beyond recovery or sight by Tuesday morning. I think we can all imagine what would have came of the couple after that. It's important to note that if you ever find yourself in a similar situation, do not try and hike out. Do not try and go find help. Stay put, shelter up, and do what you can to survive. Make yourself as visible as possible and wait for help to arrive. So this is one uh, one time when a, having a red Jeep really worked out because that bright color, very stark mm-hmm. contrast between the uh, the snow and the the bright color of the Jeep. It, it was yellow, yellow and white versus black Red, and white. Yeah, yeah. Yellow, red, same thing. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, this very, very uh, uh, poignant story here, it, it highlights a, a couple of very, uh, very important things to consider when, when you're out. I mean, because any one of this could have happened to any, any one of us really out snow wheeling or even in the middle of summer, you're out in, in an area where there's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of square miles and, and m- just hundreds of miles of trails and, 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 you know, country service roads, you know, uh, forest service roads and stuff. Uh, you're going out exploring and stuff. Maybe you don't have a compass or a GPS. Maybe you don't have radios. Maybe you get lost and suddenly you find yourself no idea where you're at or how to get back to where you're supposed to be. 
Uh, in that, in those sort of instances, I mean, it's very easy to happen. Uh, we, anybody can get turned around on a trail. Uh, this is why we stress things like never going out without another vehicle, always having, you know, that buddy system, that, that, that point of recovery. Had they had another vehicle up there, they could have used each other's vehicles as anchor points to, you know, help themselves, you know, pull themselves out, get unstuck, use another vehicle to go and, and get for help uh, to come back and search, you know, get the other vehicle, all these sort of things. But, you know, having the wherewithal and the knowledge to start rationing food, knowing that this could be a multi-day scenario, this, this young woman really probably was the mitigating factor in why these people survived versus uh, dying in the, in the snow after five days, five days of living in their TJ in the middle of the wilderness in sub-zero temperatures. Absolutely amazing story of survival. What a horrible way to uh, waste your uh, PTO time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, boss. You're not going to believe this, but uh, <laughs> can I have? Because it really wasn't a good time. I'd really like to have those PTO yeah. those days off back. You know, um, that was the first thing that I thought of. I mean, they were snow camping. It wasn't like they were going out on a trail by themselves. But if you're snow camping, you got to think there might be a situation where uh, that we may get into a situation where we need uh, another vehicle or need help. I mean, you could even just break down and, and you know, not, maybe not even get stuck. I didn't notice anything about a winch on there either. Yeah. Now, there was a very, very short video that I found of a, um, a local news affiliate that had done a, a brief interview with a the couple. They, they had a video of the Jeep, and there is even a, um, a, a short video that uh, was from one of the individual cell phones um, while they were out doing their, their snow wheeling before they got stuck. Uh, and it is some very, very deep snow that they are in. I, I am very surprised that they were up there with the Jeep that they were up there with. Very, very mild lift, if any at all. 32, maybe 33-inch all-terrain tires nonetheless. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I it just it, it didn't look like didn't look like they were aired down. Um, you know, soft top in the snow. Uh, just I don't know. There was there was a lot of things that just it seemed that they really were not prepared. Obviously, they they had some experience. They had some supplies left over um, that that garnered them the ability to survive. It being able to you know ration out, uh, have the patience, being you know under understanding that they needed to stay put and make themselves visible. Um, I, ultimately, I think that's what saved their lives. But, uh, but really, I mean, just so many red flags on this yeah. uh, on this story before even getting to where they were going. <laughs> uh, I just, you know, it's amazing well, that they live. You, you started with it, eighteen and twenty one. So there you go. You know, there you go. That's, <laughs> and fortunately, they they lived uh, to learn uh, learn their lesson. I, hopefully, you know, I, I'm not a I'm not a, a cold weather person at all. I have no massive amounts of knowledge about it. Uh, but I'm thinking one of those uh, uh, one of those sleeping bags or a pair of those sleeping bags that are the extreme cold weather uh, sleeping bags. Just having that in the back would have uh, would have been uh, enough to keep them warm in that situation, especially as the snow gathered around the TJ. Because of course it's not going to get any colder than 32 uh, inside the Jeep at that point. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm imagining that they still had some fuel, that the vehicle was still running, that they were able to, you know, start up the engine, um, you know, warm the Jeep up a little bit, uh, and then, you know, turn it off and, and you know, utilize that warmth in, in the vehicle for as long as it would, you know, right. stay there. Uh, obviously, with a soft top and, and little to no insulation with a failed <laughs> back end uh, of that top, I, I can't imagine that, that they had any degree of comfort or warmth through this through this whole ordeal had to have been terrifying 
Well, if you have a response to any one of these stories, maybe you have a survival story yourself of uh, something like this, uh, be sure to let us know what you have to say by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how. Coming up a little bit later in the show, interview with uh, Mr. Black Magic himself, Mr. Blaine. Ever have the urge to wrap yourself up in a Jeep Talk Show merchandise? Well, now you can. Head over to the jeeptalkshow.com slash store and you'll find t-shirts, iPhone and Android cases, but you can't wrap yourself up in that, <laughs> all sporting the official Jeep Talk Show logo. If you get some JTS goodies, be sure and share a picture on social media. We'd like to see it. Coming up in Tech Talk, we're continuing our multi-point series in working on your Jeep's electronic. This week, we'll be using how to use cellophane tape. No! <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Masking tape and bubble gum. Get it right. <laughs> now, in all seriousness, folks, uh, looking forward to uh, some more tech talk here in a little bit. But for the next few months, you're going to have a chance to win an annual subscription to Jeep Action Magazine. You may have heard about us talking about that in the past. We even have interviewed the uh, the founder and, uh, and the well, guy who's putting it all out. Stay tuned to find out how you can win a, your own subscription because we're going to be giving away two subscriptions a month. That's right, two subscriptions a month, and one of them can be yours. Can't wait? Well, head over to JeepAction.com and subscribe right now. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. You know, we're always asking you to go check out the 4x4 Radio Network, and for good reason. There's a ton of great shows there to check out besides ours. Be sure to tell your friends all about them, too. We've got something for everybody at the 4x4 Radio Network. How about the On the Trail podcast? Oh, Trail Chasers is there as well. The Center Steer podcast is a lot of fun, too. And don't forget about Dan and the 4x4 podcast. A lot of great off-road shows there. It's all for free. It's all in one spot. 4x4radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. So Dan sent me a message, and uh, he wants to know why we why we think we, anybody would forget about him. <laughs> Dan, when did we forget about him? <laughs> That's what Josh. No, it's it's just in the, Yeah. <laughs> Was he being silly? I am. I don't know, but I don't know oh, about that. See, here is the Henway time again. <laughs> yeah. A little slow. Hey, Jeep Talk Show. It's Nate because I can't resist calling in in response to something whenever I listen to a show. So um, I'm calling in about uh, Tammy was talking about these third brake lights in the show where you had Rob Park on and we're talking about Pete Soren, which is a terrible shame. I just want to say poor Pete. Anyway, the third brake lights. Um, I went and looked at the product that you had linked in the show notes and I like those better. So the the, the one in the, the product was those circular ones that mount behind the tire and show through the the openings in the wheel. I've seen other ones, though, however, that bolt to the outside of the spare tire. They just bolt onto the onto the lugs. And I just want to say that they're kind of a pain in the butt if you're ever, like, changing a tire on the trail because you got to get them lined back up to get them put back on and everything. Um, and the sort, like you linked, the circular one that mounts behind the tire, um, they're actually not that expensive to make your own. Now, the price on that one was only, like, 40 bucks. I don't know if you can make it for cheaper than that or not. But it is a fun little project. You just buy yourself some LEDs, you buy yourself like a dust guard or something for disc brakes, and then you can make your own and wire it up. Now, I don't know if you're into that or not, but uh, it is a fun little project. I was, I've was i been thinking about making my own. So anyway, I'm almost out of time. So that's it, and thanks for the show. 
Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. That's why I was telling Tammy I could make her a purple one. Then I thought, oh, yeah. that might not man, might not work out very well with the, yeah, with the police officers. Right. <laughs> and you, you, you said that, and I was like, well, there's got to be an RGB version out there you know, already. And sure enough, it was just like one page over was the, the one that has the 256 color version. And you can choose, choose any any uh, any color you want, pretty much. But, uh, but yeah, Nate, I was going through this. The same thing was going through my mind uh, when we were talking about that on, on that particular show was like, man, these there's really nothing to these. Uh-uh. It's a ring of plastic with some LEDs in it, and and wiring up LEDs is not difficult. Uh, it's really a, a very simple project. Now, making it to where it's going to last more than a few seasons, uh, making it to where it's going to last out on the trail, you know, there's there's uh, there's some longevity issues that, that may happen, uh, may be of some concern when you get into the DIY uh, aspect of that, but... Uh, but nonetheless, the, the you're right, Nate. Whether or not you can build this for cheaper or, or than the forty bucks online, uh, that's a good question. But uh, it would certainly be a lot of fun for doing that sort of project. Yeah, I was just thinking about it. A piece of masonite, and uh, I don't know yeah. if, if masonite would do do well in the weather. Something that well, just fiberglass it, it'd be good. Oh, hey, I know a a, car, uh, a gallon milk jug. Uh, you know these polar vortex people have fifty thousand of them laying around now. <laughs> After mm-hmm. after stocking up, you know, uh, maybe you could just use a uh, plastic milk jug, cut it, and stick some of these uh, really inexpensive, very bright uh, LED, uh, even as sticky back. So yeah, I mean, I was thinking the same thing when I see forty bucks, I'd probably wind up spending that much money, you know, building it yeah. myself. But just the idea is, this is like five dollars, and this is like free, and I can make this thing for like six bucks, and then you wind up with something that's much more. But it is fun building those things. Yeah, I know. Like I, I, um, I remember um, Chris over at O3D Jeeps. He, I think he did a how do it yourself one. I'm trying to see if I can find it. It's a YouTube video. I, and many he did, years ago, I. Oh, I'm sorry, Tammy. No, yeah, I was gonna say. He, I think he did kind of what Nate was saying. But go ahead, Josh. I was gonna say many years ago, I was uh, uh, looking at at you know making my own sway bar disconnects, and uh, I saw you know doing some research, and I wasn't really trying to pay the you know, 100, 150 oh, bucks or whatever. God. And even the, the cheap ones are still like 75 bucks yes. or whatnot. And, I, and, and so I was like, I'm going to make my own. I, you know, saw some designs online and I, I can copy that. I know where to go for some hardware that I'm looking for. And, and it still cost me 60 bucks. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, you know, and the time it is, I spent like an entire day fabbing these things up. And, uh, and it's like, well, you know, at the end of the uh, end of the project, you know, what's your time worth? You know, cause you know, at the exactly. end of the day, I, I really should have just, you know, bought my own, you know, instead of bought some instead of trying to make my own, uh, because it really, I'm, I saved 15, 20 bucks, uh, but I spent, you know, eight, 10 hours trying to, trying to make these things. So I mean, they, they work, they work very well and they were very convenient. I even had, you know, my own keepers and, and stuff for them. But, uh, uh, but yeah, you know, in, in the end, it's just like, well, you know, I didn't really save all that much. Well, there's something always to be said uh, about doing it yourself, building it yourself and going through uh, the effort. And and you never know, you may have a better idea than anybody else has come up with and can turn into a, a, a multi $100 uh, thing that you can uh, go broke trying to sell. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Shut up and listen. So shut up. You don't shut up. Shut up, Shane. Hey. Shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler Talk. It's time for G Mama. It's time for another G Mama Top 5. It's not. No, it's it's not. (laughs) Do you ever. 
Tony really, really likes playing the top five. Oh, uh, it's just fun. <laughs> Do you ever stop and think about your goals, your dreams or plans from five years back and think, where are you now with those goals and dreams? Are they the same? Five years ago, no, Tony, this isn't a top five. <laughs> Five years ago, actually more like six years ago, I bought my first Jeep. It was a 2013 Wrangler Unlimited Sahara. And for the first time in my life, a vehicle wasn't just a tool to get me from point A to point B. For the first time, my Jeep was something more, but little did I realize how much more. At that time, my Jeep goals was, my Jeep was going to be my Kelgon take me away moment. Um, Some of you young people might not know what that is, but look it up. My new Jeep was going to make those everyday chores in my life so much more fun, like getting groceries, running the kids to and from events, and all those errands that a stay-at-home mom does. I was putting a little bit of excitement into my everyday, boring soccer mom life with my Jeep Wrangler and the ability to drive topless, and I couldn't wait for those topless days. It was also letting me get out of some of those chores I didn't like doing, like carpooling, because there's just not enough seat room to participate in the neighborhood carpools. My Jeep was going to be my fun mom vehicle, and I was going to accessorize it all to be me. But it's funny how your goals change, and you need just to go with that. I even remember that first day I stood in the Jeep dealer lot, and before deciding which Jeep I wanted to buy, I asked the salesman, what's the difference between the Sport, the Sahara, and the Rubicon? And he started to explain that the Rubicon has this off-road package, and he was getting ready to go into some details about the different upgrades when I cut him off, and I said, oh, no way, I will (laughs) never take it off-road. Never say never. And be ready to switch the gears and leave the old dreams and goals behind when you find new ones. And my Jeep goals have evolved over the time. That boring Jeep soccer mom found the thrill in off-roading. And now I have new goals. Or then I started having new goals. And they just weren't to accessorize my Jeep, but I wanted to start modifying it and modifying it to the max. I wanted to do all of those upgrades to my Jeep. And I was obsessed with Jeep parts, wanting more and more Jeep parts. But, you know, who doesn't? Now my Jeep goals are changing. And are you sitting down? You listening, are you sitting down? Because hold on, I'm not into buying Jeep parts anymore. I've come to the realization that stuff isn't all it's cracked up to be. We have become obsessed with stuff and having stuff and buying stuff just to have stuff. And right now, I'm pretty happy with my Jeep built. It fits my needs for the level of off-roading I'm doing. So instead of spending money on all those Jeep parts that I want, not need, I'm saving my money for Jeep experiences. The past several months, I've been in a declutter mode in my whole life, everywhere in my life, getting rid of the unimportant, meaningless stuff and the things in my life and my Jeep life, making room for more time to enjoy the things I like, like off-roading and traveling with my Jeep. So now my goals have evolved for me and my Jeep, and that's to travel more with my Jeep, to have more Jeep experience, more Jeep experiences. So I guess now I'm going to have to buy stuff that has to do with traveling with my Jeep. (laughs) Anyway, um, just a little um, introspective of my Jeep goals and how they've evolved over the past five or six years 
So I'm thinking um, you might want to rewrite this because we have like people selling Jeep stuff. No, I know. <laughs> that advertise on the show. <laughs> I know. Um, no, I mean, I'll, I'll still, but right now in my Jeep life, I'm happy with the way my Jeep is. And I want to go out and take it and do more stuff instead of saving my money to buy Jeep stuff. I want to go do Jeep stuff. And then, you know what that's going to create. Oh, yeah. So, well, I'm going to want to buy more Jeep stuff because I'll see people with other Jeep stuff. Well, so. actually, I think you may you may experience things where you go, you know what? This would have been a lot easier if I had this. Or maybe this wouldn't have broken uh, if I had this. Right. So, maybe instead of uh, the, the, the bling and getting what everybody else has, you get the things that you need and uh, not necessarily what you want. And I think with traveling more with my Jeep and maybe not necessarily camping in a tent, I've been looking at that Jeep mattress that Josh was talking about. Um, uh, dear, I forget the name of it. Anyway. Um, and Cold sleep, deep sleep, deep, deep sleep. Deep sleep, I Jeep. think it was. Jeep sleep. Um, but, and then I more into like buying overlanding stuff because you know you're a lot of traveling people. with your drape yeah. yeah there's a lot of people uh, doing more overlanding stuff do you do you see yourself maybe getting a, uh, a rooftop tent um i think i like those little teardrop camper things. oh yeah that's neat yeah. if you have a place to keep so, them that that's the right. that's the downside well we do we we added on to our driveway for the boat and now we don't have a boat so I can get a camper. Time for an RV to tow the Jeep. And, and yep, it's, exactly. And it's, and, it's a great, and it's a great place for the boys to uh, take their dates. Uh, no, that'll be a big no. <laughs> I hear the chain that I got wrapped around the teardrop uh, rattling. I got to go check on the boys. <laughs> right, right. Coming up later in the show, we're, Nikki G is going to do some translating for us. So stay tuned. <laughs> Hey, if you haven't heard, we're giving away stickers. Yes, I know. You've heard it before. Uh, all you have to do is send us a self-addressed stamped envelope, uh, S-A-S-E. To find out where to send it, head over to thejeeptalkshow.com slash contact, and you'll see how to contact us there. We'll respond with a mailing address, where to send your S-A-S-E. And for limited time, you can be a JTS ambassador. You'll get more stickers and JTS cards. Now, you can leave that sticker or card under the windshield wiper or that badass Jeep you always see parked at the Porsche dealership. Just write Ambassador on the envelope. Got to give a shout out to Brandon Yu, who wrote us back in December asking about a topic we covered back in episode 348. We were in the fourth part of our multi-part series outlining how to upgrade the JK and JKU's Dana 30. Of course, most of those tips and tricks could be applied to the earlier generation Dana 30s as well, but I had touched on a procedure that not many people are aware of, one that can significantly increase the strength of stock or even aftermarket components like gears or U-joints or even axle shafts. After hearing about this, Brandon wrote into the show and I directed him to one of the industry's leading companies in providing cryogenic treatment to consumer parts. Well, we just got an update from Brandon about his experience with this scientific modification. It took him a little while to get a hold of the company I recommended, Cryoscience of Oceanside, California. But once he did, the owner himself, Brian, helped Brandon get everything all straightened out. They received a ring and pinion set from Brandon, they treated them, and with shipping to and from South Dakota to California, the entire cost for this whole thing was less than $140. Brandon says if he gets the claimed 30% increase in strength, 
He considers it money very well spent and definitely worth the time and money. If you want to follow suit and get your axles or gears cryo-treated for strength, we'll have the link to Cryoscience of Oceanside, California in the notes for this episode at jeeptalkshow.com. You know, I was uh, I was chatting with him, and he said that uh, on um, the uh, the Discord thing that we got set up, I was uh, chatting with him, and he said he got his uh, his ring and pinion back from the the cryo treatment, and I said, uh, "Is it really really little now?" Oh jeez. <laughs> and he was Old trying. Drinks. He, yes. <laughs> he was trying to think of a uh, uh, like a Dana seventy five or something that was uh, an older axle, but actually those were were largely larger ring and pinions than. <laughs> than the 30s so but yeah that was uh that'd be an interesting thing to do uh and uh i know it doesn't physically change the the size you know that much but uh the in- increased strength would be interesting I, it doesn't make them brittle though does it well y- yes and no uh it, it makes the steel stronger uh it gives it a stronger tensile strength but as with any anything, as as you make it stronger, it does become more brittle to impact. Yeah. But you know these type of uh, these type of components don't see impact. They they see shear forces. They they see you know a lot of sustained force against them in in particular areas. Not impact. Not a sudden you know jarring vibration and, and point of of impact. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, it, it, yeah, if you were to hit them with a chisel and a hammer, you could probably cut them in half. Uh, but once they're installed, extremely strong. Interesting. As our show sponsor for February 2019, Extreme Terrain XT likes to share their videos, technical guides, and giveaways with the Jeep Talk Show audience. For this week, Extreme Terrain is featuring one of their latest throttle out YouTube episodes titled how to drive your Jeep Wrangler on the sand and dunes the right way. In this episode of Throttle Out, host Ryan Huck visits Sand Mountain OHV area in Sand Hollow, Utah, just outside of Hurricane, Utah. Borrowing the Deegan 38 JK Wrangler from the professional freestyle motocross rider Brian Deegan, Ryan teams up with the guide, with guide Jeff Bieber, no relation to Justin, from the <laughs> Desert Roads and Trail Society to demonstrate some techniques necessary to wheel in the sand without getting stuck. Be sure to check out the link on this episode in today's Jeep Talk Show show notes. Yeah, that's a, that's a big thing. How to wheel in the sand. Everybody thinks, well, you just wheel in the sand, and you, just, you put the skinny pedal down, you point, you shoot, and you go. And it's, it's just really a lot more to it. it even if you have four-wheel drive, uh, sand can eat your rig very quickly. Uh, so there are a lot, of, a lot of techniques that a lot of people don't really understand, uh, can't really grasp, uh, you know, wrap their head around. Unless you've got some seat time in the sand, uh, it, can, it can be your worst enemy. Uh, so glad to hear that Extreme Terrain is out there putting out some more great information to, to help us all of us wheelers out. So listening to this, that reminded me of that uh, This Week in Jeep story that you did sometime back about, I think it was a doctor that was out, uh, that had rented a Jeep, uh, I think it was in Michigan, out there on those uh, the, the sand dunes in Michigan. And he went up and over a sand dune and uh, rolled it or something, and he was suing the mom and pop company. Do you remember remember this at all? Oh, yeah, oh, I remember yeah. that story. Yeah, it was, a, it was an equipment manufacturer, not equipment manufacturer, uh, equipment rental company. They did, yeah, they, they rented Jeeps and, and uh, other other things as well. I think that, you know, boats and, and ATVs and, and stuff like that. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I thought that it was out at the same place, Sand, Hall- uh, Sand Hollow, but I, I may be 
mistaken on that. But yeah, you're right. Oh, you uh, probably remember happened. since you read it, researched it, and read it. I, I thought it was the the up there in the sand dunes, same place where uh, uh, Gina. Gina. Yeah, I think you're right about the Gina. Th- I don't know though. I don't remember. So no, because we did have we did have a listener. Uh, or fan of the show, possibly even a segment producer, call in was like, yeah, we that's our playground. We go out there all the time, or we've been out there, or we took a vacation there. I mean, they had some personal experience with that area, not necessarily with that company, mm-hmm. um, but nonetheless with that with that with that area. And yeah, they um, there was a doctor, and I don't know if somebody lost their life or was just severely injured. I know he was um, injured, and he was suing for like lost wages and stuff, and because he didn't have enough training. Anyway, tying this all together, I, I don't know that they have any how to go over dunes in, in, in this uh, uh, throttle out episode, but uh, it might be worth watching if you're going to be out going and playing in the dunes in a Jeep because uh, you may learn something uh, that uh, keeps you from getting hurt. You got tech questions? Ah, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I think, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Last week, we picked things up in a new multi-part series covering some tips and tricks when working on the electrical system of your Jeep. Of course, a lot of this stuff is not vehicle-specific and can be applied to virtually any car or truck. So, but last week in episode 370, we got into some of the specifics of what to do when dealing with a hack job of an install, how to organize wires, and, and the right materials and the hardware to use when, when doing so. It would be too easy for me to spend hours talking about different techniques and whatnot of wire routing alone, but that wouldn't make for good listening outside the campfire or in certain company. One thing that goes without saying, though, is regardless of the job or the type of work you're doing, you need the right tool to do the job right. Let's face it, at one time or another, we are all guilty of cutting corners with one thing or another. Just don't let your Jeep be one of those areas. So in the spirit of never steering you wrong, I want to make sure that you're set up to tackle some of the basics, at least, when dealing with mobile electronics, but do it like a pro. One of the most used, most valuable, most indispensable and versatile tools you can put into your toolbox is a good pair of wire strippers and crimpers. For those in the know, this is actually two tools in one. The ones that Klein Tools makes, which also happen to be made in the USA, also happen to be out in my toolbox, are some of the best. Yes, you will pay a premium price for the best, but look at it this way. I spent $40 over 23 years ago on my first real set of crimpers, and they are still to this day my favorite tool. Good crimpers will have a, a different sex, different sections for insulated and uninsulated terminals and a wire cutter at the end. Yes, I mean, this is a simple tool, but from stripping, cutting, crimping, all done with a single tool, yet strong enough to be ran over, dropped, abused, and even used as a pry bar, well, you can see paying a small price for a tool that's going to last a lifetime is worth it. Not to mention they strip better and they make a much more reliable crimp than those old flat stamped junk crimpers that are color-coded and come in that bin of connectors you see at the parts store. Trust me, those things aren't worth the metal they're stamped from. Honestly, you could probably bend them with your fingers. Real crimpers will make a more tongue-and-groove style crimp than any uh, smash flat and hope for the best type of connection. Here's an inside tip for all of you beginner installers out there. If the connector that you're working with has a seam in it, be sure that the seam is positioned in the concave or the groove portion of the crimper. This reduces deforming of the connector as you crimp it and leads to a better, more reliable crimp in the end. This is important for both insulated and uninsulated connectors, and as always, make sure that you're using the right type and size of connector for the application you're working on. Just as important, if not more so, is to make sure that you use the appropriate wire size or gauge of wire to handle the load for the circuit that you're working on or building. 
Using undersized wire will result in melted wires and other problems, while oversized wire just adds unnecessary expense to the project. For example, you wouldn't want to wire up a set of 100-watt auxiliary lights using speaker wire, just as you wouldn't use amplifier power wire to hook up a speaker. Getting back to the tools, there are a couple of other items you're going to want to have if you don't already. The second most invaluable tool I own for working on mobile electronics is a logic probe. The simplest explanation of what this tool is and does is this. It's basically just an airbag-safe test light that tells me if the circuit that I'm probing has positive or negative voltage on it. The old-school plastic handle with a light bulb in it and wire with an alligator clip coming out of one end should be tossed out with the old oil you've been saving for no reason whatsoever. Invest in a good logic probe and never look back, trust me. Having the ability to safely probe a vehicle's wiring to troubleshoot problems or track down certain circuits to tap into uh, makes things a lot easier on you in the long run. Aside from basic voltage testing, a DMM or digital multimeter is the only other tool I could never live without. A multimeter is just like a test light or a logic probe in that it can tell you if a circuit has voltage on it or if it doesn't but also how much voltage it has on it, what sort of resistance you're working with, and it goes from AC to DC testing with a turn of a dial, not to mention others have uh, many other functions that they can do depending on how much you spend. They're a bit more awkward to use as a test light if that's what you want to use them for, but you know, typically they don't have the airbag circuit protection in them that a true automotive logic probe will have, so you kind of need both. There are a bunch of other tools that make installations go easier like skew drivers and panel poppers, but these are all niceties and aren't necessarily needed for every wiring job, but they're nice to have in the toolbox nonetheless. Next week, we're going to wrap up our multi-part electrical series, so make sure that you're listening. So I'm surprised you um, authorized crimping at all. I, I would think that you were very much a um, solder and a heat shrink tube uh, all connections. It depends on what I am doing. If it is anything security or um, uh, or, or engine vehicle function related, uh, it's going to get soldered and shrink wrapped. If if I'm installing a stereo, there is no effing reason to solder your connections for a stereo install. If that's you, you really should be taken <laughs> out back and beaten. Uh, but, this, seriously, but I that, think it's soldering is fun. It is fun. No, don't get me wrong. If you like soldering. Do it to your heart's content. It is just so much time will, and but overkill. But you will be beat. You will be beat. It, seriously. <laughs> it's just so much time and overkill for something that doesn't need it and something that is likely going to have to be redone or undone uh, at some point in the near future anyways. Um, anything that is a, a consumable type of electronic device, something that is going to be replaceable or that can be damaged easily outside of the vehicle, like auxiliary lighting um, or anything that in the audio system Absolutely, it's going to get a crimp mount, uh, a crimp connection, because one, uh, I know what I'm doing. Uh, two, uh, it, they're easy to to do maintenance or replace or repair if you have to go back in. Um, it's just, I don't know, it, it's one of those sort of things. I come from an old school uh, mentality of, uh, you know, vehicle wiring and stuff like that. It's just something that I've done that I've um, that I know how to do that I've relied on. And, and when I stand behind my work for the life of the vehicle... Uh, for as long as you own your vehicle, if I've worked on it, I guarantee my work and I've never had to go back into any of my own wiring. So basically, you know, if the stereo stops working, it's not a big deal. If the engine stops working because you didn't, uh, uh, solder and uh, protect it properly, then that's, that's more of an issue. I think is what Josh is saying. Well, anything to add? Maybe you have a question for tech talk you'd like answered here on the show. Just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. 
and send us a message. We'll get it and we'll get your information out on the air. Hey guys, CFMG for giving you guys a shout. Uh, just wanted to kind of touch base on something I know Josh is having a problem with. Uh, it's funny that it kind of happened right around the same time. Um, I actually was having a lot of trouble with my uh, transmission mount. Um, I was installing a new crossover for some long arms. Exhaust was hitting. Nothing was lining up right. Um, and for the life of me, I was just, I was just, you know, scratching my head. Couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, and then I did some research, found out that um, there's a couple aftermarket replacement mounts which are put out that will bolt up. They seem fine. However, they sit much lower, even brand new, which I found kind of odd. But um, I guess it's a it's a fairly well known problem in the farms if you kind of know what to look for. Uh, but there is one certain brand that that sits lower. Um, so I upgraded to a up, uh, heavy duty one from I think DB, uh, DB Metalworks. And problem solved. Exhaust or the the transmission sit right where it needs to. The exhaust is not hitting on the cross member anymore, and voila, everything's everything's better. Uh, and Tony, uh, for your radiator, I think I honestly have that same exact radiator. I've been on it for about a year with not on wood, no issues yet. And uh, that's that's it. You guys have a good week, and uh, talk to you soon. Well, good to know, Tony. How does that make you feel? We got a, a, a sort of a uh, unofficial review of a of a product that you just bought. Uh, somebody who has had it in their Jeep for a year now and uh, and says it's doing just fine. It's got to well, be some peace of mind for you. Yeah, it's a Chinese radiator, so I was a little concerned that it was going to you know hold uh, hold the fluid, hold the uh, the coolant. Uh, but uh, so far, mine's been been doing well. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see whenever the uh the heat of summer gets here i don't hold out any hope that this is a solution but i needed the new radiator so let's try try another aluminum i did find it interesting about the the uh the transmission mount i don't know why they would make something that is not exactly like what's supposed to be in there you know unless it's unless you're buying something that is specifically lower or or taller or or whatever Uh, i don't think uh i think i've got the original transmission mount Wow. Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't. You know, when they rebuilt the transmission uh, back in like 2012, uh, they may have replaced that. Uh, since I didn't do it, I have a tendency not to remember it. So mm-hmm. uh, it may be from there. And uh, who knows? That might have, you know, when he, he mentioned that thing about the exhaust, it made me think um, initially, well, it's, this, it's the, the factory transmission mount, but maybe it isn't. Maybe they replaced it in 2012, and that's whenever the, the, the bouncing started happening with the uh, – the downpipe that goes uh, just over the top of the cross member. That would certainly be be one answer to the reason why that started happening. Indeed. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? What are you talking about, man? Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? I got no idea what the heck. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Get out of my face, yo. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Underwater. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? In the bubble bath. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? No clue. And where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? While flexing on stumps. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? I would assume on the radio. The Jeep Talk Show, available on iTunes and at jeeptalkshow.com. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. 
All right, boys and girls, we're back here tonight with another interview. Uh, tonight we're going to be uh, doing an interview of uh, a product, a uh, manufacturer of a product that uh, I was really impressed with how uh, Kevin and Scott t- spoke about this on the On the Trail podcast, uh, of course, part of the radio, uh, uh, 4x4 Radio Network. And uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to uh, talk uh, uh, this gentleman into doing an interview with us tonight. And uh, it's going to be Mr. Blaine uh, with Black Magic Brakes. Now, Mr. Blaine bought a Jeep TJ in 1999, and after putting 35s on it, uh, tried to stop and this said TJ, <laughs> he decided he needed better brakes, so he went about building some. Uh, Mr. Blaine has lots of Jeeps and loves getting them off-road. Mr. Blaine, thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you. So, uh, I, I got to ask you the name, Mr. Blaine, that sounds like a, a stage name of some sort. How did you come up with Mr. Blaine? It's just something that people call me within a very short time of meeting me that they've done forever, so it just sticks. I don't know why or how it come about, but there it is. Uh, and the, uh, and this is everybody who meets you, right? It's not just one particular group or just no, random no, people. Not, well, I wouldn't say everybody, but I'll like uh, I'll go in and buy when I first started purchasing parts at Curry Enterprises. I mean, first time I. Paid for an order on my way out the door. She said, thank you, Mr. Blaine. And I'm like, I don't even know where that comes from. <laughs> <laughs> now, is Blaine the last name or the first name? First name. Oh, that's interesting. That's even more interesting. Yep. So uh, uh, tell me now, whenever you decided uh, that you need something to stop your Jeep, which I th- a lot of us that have put larger tires, and especially uh, when you start putting uh, armor on your, on your Jeep, uh, you first tried stopping the Jeep. Uh, is that whenever you started building brakes, or did you try some the, some of the things that we try uh, coming up with these? Uh, uh, I don't know, dimpled rotors, drilled, slotted. Uh, you know, all the all the stuff that you can think of to try to stop it. Well, back then in '99, dimpled and slotted rotors weren't that prevalent or common. But what was common was a lot of uh, so-called upgraded uh, power brake boosters and upgraded brake pads. To a point, always lots of companies advertising there's the latest and greatest and best. And um, we tried the boosters and the masters and the brake pads. And uh, the biggest, most common mistake is trying to get the back brakes to work better and take over the job of the front brakes. None of that worked. Yeah, that's true. Because I know one of the upgrades on the Cherokees is to try to uh, to go from the uh, the drums to disc, which I, I think is also something that was done on the TJs. Lots of guys do that uh, under the misguided conception that making the back brakes work better will somehow help the uh, front work, and that generally isn't true. If you swap from drums to discs and there is an improvement in stopping, it's because your drums weren't working properly. Interesting. I've never heard that before. Yeah, it's it's very common, uh, especially on the TJ. I mean, that's my area of expertise is the TJ, and... Matter of fact, from 97 to 2004, and the Rubicon came out with a disc brake standard in 2003, uh, from 97 to 04, the combination valve uh, is exactly the same part number. Oh. Drum or disc. There's no difference in the proportioning portion of the combination valve. What is a combination valve? A combination valve is a little aluminum block with several ports in it that lives underneath the master cylinder right in front of the brake booster, and it has several functions. Uh, The first 
is it is a connecting key for the two brake lines for the front brakes. Uh, there is a proportioning section built into it for the rear brakes to reduce the pressure to the rear brakes and they're under a hard braking event. And then uh, there is a shuttle valve on the uh, driver's side, outside, that essentially operates off of a different pressure. If you get a hole in a brake line or you lose a seal in a wheel cylinder, the differential pressure moves the shuttle valve and it attempts to shut off the circuit with the least amount of pressure so you don't lose all your brake fluid and you at least have working brakes or some semblance thereof on one end. I did not know that. That's interesting. So the TJs, do, do they have, you know, like in my Rubicon, it's a 2015, there's just everything's computerized. Was it like that for the TJs? Oh, do they no. have all that? <laughs> no, the, the JK uses, um, the JK does not have a portioning valve. What the JK has is wheel speed sensors at each corner. And it oh. uses the wheel speed sensor readings to, and the ABS to adjust the braking at each corner as needed without the use of a combination valve. What do you think about that? Uh, them doing it that way? It, it just seems uh, more prone to error to me. Well, it depends on how good the system is. Uh, complexity always adds the potential for failure, mm -hmm. but the outcome is you can take the traction control aspect of that ABS system, run it through the computer, and it essentially, you can take a Sahara without lockers and play in the mud with it, and it pretty much won't get stuck on places that a normal Jeep will because it can slow down the wheels that are spinning, which lets the raises the torque going to the wheel that uh, needs it and acts pretty good. So whenever they're using the brakes to basically uh, emulate a locker, uh, doesn't that have a tendency to really uh, heat up the brake uh, that they're they're locking? Well, depends on how enthusiastically you're doing it. Yeah, well, we're jeepers. Well, <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, some of us aren't as enthusiastic as others. We're a little more yeah. cautious. Well, we play in the rocks, so you you don't get to be that enthusiastic in the rocks very long without breaking something. Yeah, that's so true. We don't we we don't operate in low traction situations very much. So you you got in this situation where you couldn't stop your Jeep, and you decided to mm -hmm. to build brakes. Now I don't know how in the world I would even go about uh, <laughs> trying to put place something on a a piece of metal that would fit inside the the brakes and that had been scary a scary thing especially trying it out when you first were first started building these things well the first thing we did was you know we started a, adapting um different calipers onto the stock tj knuckles and trying to make that work uh, we played with several of the uh commonly available aftermarket uh shiny aluminum things out there <laughs> And found that they had a they had several issues. Uh, one is low line pressure; they don't handle high line pressures like the TJ has. And the diameter is not big enough. The pistons weren't big enough. I mean, nothing about them worked. So it just progressed into keep trying different things until we came up with something that works. So what you what would you consider? When do you consider that you you had your first successful breaks? The ones that you know you wanted on your uh, TJ with thirty fives. Um, that's 
That's actually a good way to ask that question. That brings into the story my relationship with uh, Vanco Power Brake Supply. Uh, the, the brakes on our website are listed under the brand name Vanco, and that comes from my buddy Van of Vanco Power Brake Supply. Uh, they're selling Hydro Boost and stuff like that for all manner of vehicles, and we had attempted to put his Hydro Boost on a Grand Cherokee, a ZJ, and it was sold as a kit for the Grand Cherokee, and it was a miserable mess. <laughs> so somebody was asking about that online, and I said, well, we tried to put it on there, and it was a miserable mess. Well... It turns out Van was reading the forum, <laughs> and Van is one of the smarter guys I know. Rather than get offended, what he did was he got in contact with me and said, okay, you said my kit was a mess. Tell me how to fix it. Oh, that's great. I love that approach. So we got together, and I showed him what we needed to make it work better on the Grand Cherokee and the TJ and things like that. And then at that time, I had evolved my braking expertise over into doing a lot of the WJ conversions. And it's a great set of brakes. Uh, WJ stop well and stop really well on the TJ when you get them adapted over to the TJ. And the problem with them is there's a lot of fabrication involved because it has a high steer arm with a drag link, and you have to relocate the track bar mount to make it correct on the TJ. So in chatting with Van one day, I said, Van, we need a bolt-on big brake kit solution. It doesn't require a whole lot of fabrication. Right. He said, okay, you build it, I'll fund the development, and then I'll sell it. I said, great. So I set about modifying the stock TJ knuckles, came up with a way to adapt a caliper saddle and bracket on there and get bigger rotors on there. I had to hunt down rotors that had the right offset, right hole pattern, right center bore, right thickness and right diameter to make all that work and started from there. And they became the Vanco big brake kits. Now, would this still fit in the uh, the 15-inch wheels that uh, came stock with the uh, the TJ? Yeah, what we did is we started with the 15, and then, um, which is essentially the front brakes off of a 2000 Ford Explorer. And then we wanted a bigger one, so we built a 16 inch kit, which is the essentially the front brakes off of the 2003 Ford Explorer Sport Track, all adapted onto the TJ Knuckle. And then later on, we needed more, so we did a 17-inch big brake kit, which uh, is essentially the brakes off of a 2008 Dodge Ram 1500. <laughs> so and I have a question. There, I got a sure. Um, you, I think you you called it a did you call it a nitro kit? What it? Oh, so you, are you talking you about the Hydro Boost? Yes, Hydro Boost. Thank you. <laughs> what is yes. the? Sorry, Nitro Hydro. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> What is that? Hydro Boost is very common on three-quarter and one-ton pickups. And basically, instead of using a vacuum-powered brake booster to supply the assist, 
using master cylinder to get the line pressure you need to operate the caliper, they have a hydraulic-based unit. And it uses the hydraulic fluid power from the power steering pump. And it goes, instead of going your power steering pump plumbing, instead of going from the steering pump down to the steering gear, it goes to the hydroboost unit through it and then down to the steering gear. So it puts the hydroboost in series with the steering gear. And so the, since hydraulic fluid is a lot more powerful than atmospheric pressure, you know, where, where we get backing from, uh, you can make a much more powerful unit fit in a much smaller space. It increases so the clamping can, force on the brakes, Tammy. Right. By driving the line pressure up. Right. And that's something that you would, that's like normal when you buy the vehicle or something, it's like an add-on? No, no, that's stock. Oh, uh, okay. It's an OEM part. Yep, it's stock. Yeah, but it's just not stock and on the Jeep. Is, uh, that's not stock on a Jeep, but it's stock on a lot of pickups. Right. Um, oh, so things, you would add like it that. to the Cherokee. Yeah, they were modifying what was out there, stock on, on vehicles that existed, but bringing that technology to the Jeep that didn't, that, that didn't have that okay. kind of clamping force. Okay. It's the it's the same type of thing as the vacuum, the so-called upgraded vacuum boosters that are for sale out there. It's just another type of boost unit, brake booster. So, uh, it, I'm sorry. So, looking at your brakes here, it looks like uh, you don't, I mean, you have a lot of Jeeps. In fact, it looks like you got all the Jeeps on here, just looking at it very quickly. Uh, I see that you have brakes for the Grand Cherokee, the, uh, the JK, the Jeep Liberty, the KJ. Uh, the JL, of course, which is just a, a longer uh, version of the uh, TJ. Uh, MJ, which I know there's a lot of MJ f uh, fanatics out there that uh, love hearing that. Uh, the WJ and even the XJ. I mean, we even have some XJ loves uh, love there. Both uh, Josh and myself both have XJs. So uh, we love well, love that, seeing that's that. Nothing, that's absolutely nothing to do with me. Oh, okay. <laughs> it has to do with Jeep from... 1990 to 2006, Jeep used the same front brake pad on all those models you're talking about. Right. Well, whenever you say you don't have anything to do with it, it's it's simply because you've uh, um, uh, made it fit one thing and it just happens to fit the other uh, other things. But I want to make sure people. Yeah, but I want to make sure yeah. our listeners understand that uh, you know if you have one of these Jeeps. Uh, more than likely, uh, if you have a Jeep, more than likely you can uh, get you a, a much better braking system over at uh, Blackmagic Brakes. Now, now you were talking about a whole system, but you sell just pads too, right? Yeah, we sell pads, and then uh, we also have a, a package that has pads and rotors. And one thing that we need to be really clear on is we use a Centric Premium rotor. And I get asked about this a lot. Why do you use that rotor? And it's not that we consider it the best rotor in the world, hands down, that I don't know what that one would be or is, and I don't know that we want to afford it anyway. <laughs> but we use Centric, and we're authorized dealers for Centric. We use them because in our testing and using lots of them, especially on the WJ conversions that I was doing, and then you know hundreds of them over the years, we have found that they are a very high-quality premium product at a very good price point, and they are consistent. Uh, they work very well. We have uh, a near zero attrition rate. And in other words, we don't get any bad rotors from Citric. 
Mm-hmm. We don't have any problems where we have to send a customer another rotor and swap it out if there's some sort of an issue. So they're just a good value, high quality product. I don't think they're the best. Um, but I think they're good enough for most people. Right. Of course, you can, you can spend a lot of money on something, and uh, it's just not worth it uh, for the average person. I got you. So uh, what would somebody expect? I know, I know this is going to be a dumb question because I already know what the – I think I know what the answer is. But what would somebody expect? Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> what would somebody expect? Uh, getting a, a a set of these uh, black magic brake pads once they once they put it on uh, on their jeep and let's say they're just doing the disc brakes up front what what would be the first thing they would notice are you talking about just doing the pads and rotors or are we talking about putting on a brake kit no whenever they uh, just doing pads and rotors uh, and and they go okay. to use it can you tell a difference well, immediately whenever you go to to stop or are you are you stopping better is it just uh, you know you're instantly uh, well that's qualify that a little bit. As soon as you get them broken in, you're going to notice uh, immediate uh, levels of improvement better than anything else you can do in that category. And there's not a better stopping pad and rotor combination out there that we can find. If there was, we'd be selling it. Now, I read on your, your website about breaking them in. What, what does that entail? Well, every... Brake pad compound has a certain way it likes to be bedded and seasoned uh, to get the best performance out of it. This one, through trial and error and some input from the manufacturer, uh, we have come up with a series of hot and cold cycles to start the bedding and seasoning product process and to get them safe enough to drive so you can, you know, not run over somebody while they're breaking in. And it's just heat and cold, heat and cold, heat and cold. Now, would any brake set, uh, with this, this braking in process, would any, any brake set uh, benefit from that, or is that something specific to, to your brakes? There are um, generalities. Most brake pads would benefit from some sort of a break-in, but you have to really pay attention to what the manufacturer wants you to do. I know uh, through our testing, that if you take uh, and do the our break-in process on a set of uh, the EBC yellow, green, or red stuff pads, that uh, whenever you're done with the first two break-ins and you drive it a little bit, you can then take the pads off and throw them away because you have completely ruined them. <laughs> and they won't come back. I've tried. <laughs> That's great, and I, and I'm looking at your site here. I see that you actually uh, sell uh, brake pads for other vehicles besides uh, Jeeps, like uh, Ford. I see uh, Chevy, uh, uh, the 8.8 uh, rear, which of course is used in a lot of Jeeps, but uh, came out on the Ford Exploders. Um, yeah, you, you have a, a quite a bit of things here that uh, uh, people should check out on your site, BlackMagicBrakes.com. Yeah, and a lot of those, uh, most of those uh, non-Jeep pads are because they're very common, commonly used on the TJ whenever people swap in an axle, like the Explore 8.8. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 8.8 is kind of an interesting little brake setup. Uh, it is, the disc brakes on the 8.8 share the same backing plate, and backing plate is what the calipers attach to and the parking brake mechanism attaches to, mm-hmm. that is shared with the ZJ starting in uh, about 95 or 96, 
It's hmm. the first time it was seen on the Jeep. Mm-hmm. And then later on, the TJ Rubicon disc brakes have the same backing plate, the 8.8, and then they used the TJ on the back of the Liberty. Well, they all share the same backing plate, and they all have little minor differences that stop uh, mostly direct interchange bubble parts, the pads, the rotors, and the calipers. Uh, the main difference between the TJ caliper and the 8.8 caliper, besides the surface area of the pad, is the 8.8 uses a steel piston, so the rose clip on the brake pad is larger diameter than the one on the TJ, which means you can't put the 8.8 uh, pad in the TJ caliper, but you can put the TJ pad in the 8.8 caliper. I can see the uh, the uh, parts guy at AutoZone getting a blank stare when, oh, you, yeah, he, when you walk in and you start asking for things. I've got this, but it's all actually a blah, blah, blah from Ford. And <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it gets a little confusing. <laughs> Um, so if, if you had a TJ or maybe let's, maybe let's say a JK, if you had a JK, you got 35s on it and you, you desperately want it to stop better than what it's stopping now, what would be, uh, the Mr. Blaine recommendation from, uh, black magic breaks? What would they need to get uh, to put on there? With the 35s, because of the, they've got a really good braking system on the JK with the 35s. Typically, all you need is a set of our pads, uh, for the front with the rotors, maybe, depending on what kind of condition your rotor's in and the, uh, set of pads for the rear. Oh, that's great. That's great news. So let's, let's yep. take it back to an earlier model. How about the TJ? There's a lot of TJs still running around out there and, and I know they want to be able to stop too. Depends on several factors. Weight. Uh, how tall is it? What's your tire size? What's your rim size? Um, fortunately, with today's tire selection, we're getting the guys moving to the bigger 16 and 17 inch rims. So we can actually get bigger brakes in there and do them some good. But once we get past 33s on the TJ, we need to start looking at a big brake kit. And that's not a hundred percent. There's only one hard and fast rule about the TJ. Some of them will lock up 37s with the stock brakes. And some of them are unsafe to drive on 33s <laughs> with the stock brakes. Yeah. <laughs> they are inconsistent. And we have taken them apart front to back, top to bottom, replaced one part at a time, trying to find out what the differences are. And it is not to be found. Some wow. work, some don't. <laughs> That's amazing. That's really interesting. So now, frustrating is what it is. Oh, very. Um. So when you're doing maintenance on your vehicles, you know, there's always a schedule when you're supposed to change the oil and check the brakes and replace the brakes and all that. Would your brakes fall in that same schedule of when you would need to check them and replace them and all that? Or do they last longer? But brakes, brakes typically are not a, a maintenance item. They're a, an inspection item on your maintenance schedule and you, examine them, see how much, you know, see what kind of condition the rotors are in. Uh, typically, most people let the brakes tell them that there's something wrong before they ever look at them. I mean, nobody right. goes out and really replaces their brakes on a schedule, but I'm glad that you brought up the maintenance aspect. Number one thing I wish everybody would do, change your brake fluid every two years or less, do a full flush on the system like you're supposed to, and nobody does. No. Nobody does. 
if I didn't, I didn't have, know you were supposed if I didn't to do have, that. If I didn't have a leak, I wouldn't have. Uh, I wouldn't have any new in mine. Mine's twenty years old, and I would say it's probably typical. <laughs> well, if you dig around on the uh, on the forums and follow the commentary from Jeep guys about bleeding brakes and swapping brake pads, uh, we will go in there and tell them that they need to do the fluid flush before they retract the caliper pistons, push them back into the caliper to swap on uh, new pads and rotors. Yeah, I think uh, for, you know, they'll go, why do you want us to do that? And yeah. Well, if you don't do that, if you don't do the fluid flush before, then what happens is all the crap that is settled uh, down in the lowest part of your brake system over the last 10 years that you didn't flush your fluid five times uh, gets trapped by the piston when you push it back in. Mm-hmm. And then I get a phone call or an email and says, hey, I was driving down the road doing the break-in. My right side caliper locked up, and I have smoke everywhere, and I hard pull to the right. Interesting. And then we'll say, well, you know, if you noticed on the box, there was this thing that said flush the fluid. On the invoice, there was this thing that said flush the fluid. And then <laughs> everywhere else that we can put it, we say flush the fluid before and that's why it's there, because for some reason, the TJ um, likes to do that. And no other vehicle is as sensitive to it as TJ is. That's interesting. My, my wife's TJ had that problem about locking up on one of the calibers. And I bet yeah. you that's what it was. Oh, that's exactly what it is. Uh, and if you want to find out, it, it's really easy to tell. Uh, when it's locked up, uh, just reach down there and carefully some safety glasses on and open the bleed screw. If you open the bleed screw and it releases, then it's upstream from the caliper. It's a brake line with a collapsed inner lining or something else in the system doing that. Uh, if it doesn't release, it's the caliper piston. Mm -hmm. Well, I tell you what, this is great information. And uh, I, I don't know about you, Tammy, but I've learned a lot. Uh, I, uh, I certainly am glad that you were here to ask some of those uh, those questions because uh, when I hear proportioning valve, I think, okay, that's uh, I know what that is. Uh, <laughs> but even I was hearing some stuff from Mr. Blaine that uh, I, I had no idea what he was talking about. So this is this is great information. We are so glad that you came on here to uh, give us this information. And uh, it sounds like a wonderful product. I'm going to have to try some of these brakes out. Now, I know the kids love uh, the social media. It, it can, can we find you out on social media anywhere? Um, well, I suppose if I knew what social media was. That's the Facebook. <laughs> that's, the, that's the Twitter, you know, like the, the okay. Instagram. I, 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 we have a Facebook account that somebody set up for me. I think my wife set it up, but. I haven't figured out how to make it all work yet, but I'm <laughs> right. on there a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, you're spending your time making breaks work, which is which is a lot more important than the social media. So you well, guys see that's that's what I tell people about the website. Yeah, I know the website needs to be fixed up. I know it needs to be updated and I know it could be a lot better, but I don't know how to do that. Yeah. But I know how to build breaks. So <laughs> unless uh you want really, really good website and really really bad breaks uh, you're just gonna have to deal with it you can be flashy or you can stop which one do you want yeah. <laughs> well we you certainly we certainly can direct people over to your uh, your website we've mentioned it a couple of times blackmagicbreaks.com uh go over there and see all these 
shiny pretty things and, and you know if you're if you're a jeeper and you love jeep parts uh that's why it'll be all nice and shiny none of this none of this says bling guys it all sound it all it's all mechanical uh great looking stuff and uh, uh again uh heard about it from uh, kevin and scott over the on the trail podcast and got me immediately interested and wanted to make sure that our listeners uh knew about this uh these great products too because uh uh like i said we all want to stop better at least i at least everybody that doesn't have a JK. Have you had any any run-ins with the JL, or the, is the JL braking system uh, uh, the, as good well, as the uh, JK? Surprisingly, uh, Jeep is working really hard at getting their brakes much better. Um, and the uh, reports of my friends that have the JL, they're doing just fine in that regard. They actually have some good brakes on that thing. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. And now, I think they fixed the the, the headlights too. So. My gosh, it's uh, it's amazing what what you can do whenever you put throw an engineer or two at it. Yeah, we just uh, our uh, our entry into the KOH race in the stock class was a JT the Gladiator pickup that uh, Jeep sent to us to um, kind of tune up and go out there and run around a little bit, and they actually got the thing to finish. So that's oh yeah, I good read for everybody. I, I read about that, and actually we're. Uh, uh, we spoke about that in our uh, This Week in Jeep segment uh, tonight. So uh, you actually got a chance to drive that uh, that vehicle? No, no. That's our uh, our partners over at Savvy Off-Road built that. Okay. I was, I was thinking you got behind the wheel because we're all anxious about the no, first no. <laughs> the first Jeep truck, you know, since the, uh, the MJ, uh, since they uh, did away with the MJ way back in the mid-90s. Yeah. It's that was cool. all built by uh, Savvy and Dynatrack and those folks. Excellent. But that's part of our, our, I'm part of that group. Excellent. Well, Mr. Blaine, thank you so much for being with us here tonight and a lot of great information. Uh, we'll have to uh, get you back when we have a little more time to talk about this stuff and uh, uh, maybe a little more uh, brake information. I, I had no idea about the change in the brake fluid. That's not something that you, that you, you know, is generally uh, what your dad tells you when he tells you about doing brakes. Uh, so, uh, I think that's probably the, the biggest help, uh, to me that I've heard tonight is that you really need to change that brake fluid. Oh, and Mr. Blaine, before we get out of here, uh, I seem to remember you mentioning something about a discount code or something for our, for our listeners. Now, any of your, uh, listeners that want to take advantage of a, a little discount, if they will use the code, uh, it's all spelled out for X for radio, R A D I O. Uh, there's a box whenever they check out they can stick that code in there and it'll generate a 10 percent discount for them oh man that's great 10 percent uh, that'll uh, that'll really help out and that that'll get you some great breaks some uh, some great uh, uh pads uh rotors a whole uh, for anything on there right yes excellent well mr blaine again thank you so much for being with us tonight and learned a lot and uh, we'll have to get you back on really really soon and uh, uh, boys and girls, Mr. Blaine wasn't quite sure he'd be able to to handle this whole talking thing on the uh, on the podcast. I think he did a great job, Tammy. Don't you? Oh, he was excellent. Very. <laughs> I understood what he was saying yes. for the most part. Yes, for the most part. We try. <laughs> well, it's it's not you. It's me. I'm very very low level knowledge of the inner workings of brakes and mechanical stuff inside the vehicles. Well, if you have any kind of question regarding the brake side, just let me know. I can figure out most of it and get you an answer. Excellent. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, thank Mr. You. Blaine.
Well, big thanks to Mr. Blaine for taking the time to talk about Black Magic Brakes, everything they're doing over there to help keep us stopping on time and, uh, well, upgrading our braking system. Sounds like some really good stuff. And getting in on that discount code, that's going to be a big game changer right there. But make sure you guys are going and checking them out. Hey, do you have an idea for a guest? Do you work in the off-road industry yourself? Or maybe you know somebody who does. Maybe you yourself would like to be a guest here on the Jeep Talk Show. We're always looking for people with interesting Jeep stories. Who knows? You very, may very well be the one we're looking for. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now. Share your idea for our next great guest or give us your contact information. And we're going to get you on the show. Talk some Jeep. Hey, coming up next week, we're going to have Brad from Trail Recon. If that sounds familiar to you, you may be one of the 100,000 subscribers he has on uh, his YouTube channel. Very interesting, very popular uh, YouTube channel. Got to go over there and check it out if you don't already know about it. Uh, certainly, after hearing all the great things we're going to find out next week, you'll want to check it out. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G, and uh, got to give a shout out to FM Jeeper and uh, his son. I can't remember his name. I know he said it one time. Uh, I'll try to refer to him as the man child of FM Jeeper. <laughs> I know you guys have a hard time understanding him, but I am fluid in toddler. What is it and what do I want? Most toddlers are hyperactive and run really fast. So if you just slow it down a little bit, I think you get the gist of it. And uh, if you play it backwards, you hear Red Jeep Rock. I really think he's saying a Red JK is what he wants. I love it when you call in FM Jeeper, and I love when your son calls in. Uh, it warms my heart to see parents sharing with their children, even if it's something as simple as a podcast. Uh, you rock, man. All right, boys and girls, I'll uh, chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. Did you did you notice the prolonged pause when he, he said parent sharing? Now, let me think about this. Sharing. Okay. <laughs> Stuff I like know. These guys oh, are producing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sharing the likes of the Jeep talk show with the toddlers. Yeah. The parent of the year award. No, no. It's 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 a great, great fun. We do have an explicit rating. Um, we, we do kind of have some innuendos and maybe occasionally let an S or an F bomb drop and right. and stuff like that. But that's that's what the uh, the rating is for. It's certainly not a uh, uh, an X rated show, but we try and keep it PG thirteen. Uh, maybe not. Uh, maybe not full G rating. <laughs> no. <laughs> certainly not Disney over here. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not with not with Tony's jokes. Uh, but you got to get them. You have to have some sort of point of reference, Tammy. Okay, class, it's time for a review. Let's check it out. Check it out. It's time for Jeep Mama's product review. Now, what is it and why do I want it? So recently I've been getting some comments on an old YouTube video where I interviewed CPO about installing the Yeti steering system on his Jeep. And then I realized, you know what? I have never reviewed this product. Um, back in September of 2017, I installed the Yeti XD Extreme Steering Kit with the Griffin on my Jeep, but I have never done an official review. Now, we've done tons of segments with the company SteerSmarts, who invented the product, and we've talked about all the different steering components they offer and many other episodes as well. 
Now, if you're seriously thinking of upgrading your steering, I highly suggest you check out the following episodes because there's so much information on this. And it was episode 176, 234, 299, 203, and 301, where we interviewed Ron North. So where to begin? Well, originally I put the steering attenuator, which they've now renamed the Griffin on my stock Jeep. Basically, that's a direct swap out of the drag link adjusting sleeve. And what it does, it's designed to reduce the harsh roads feedback you feel in your stock steering, that jittery steering wheel. And man, oh man, it did the job for me. But don't take my word for it. There are tons of positive reviews out there on the steering attenuator, a.k.a the Griffin, or I think that's reverse, but knowing the company and the great reputation they have and the fact that they have been around for years and years and years doing steering, I decided to finally upgrade my stock steering. So I installed the Yeti XD steering, which is the drag link, the tie rod, which also includes the Griffin because I did not want to not drive my Jeep with that. Um, because it made such a huge difference for me in driving, especially on the interstate. Now, this isn't their only option. They have so many different configurations. They have top mounting, and you can buy just the drag link. You can buy just the tie rod. Um, They have so many options. I would go check out their website at www.steersmarts.com. Now, the drag link is manufactured from a large diameter, one quarter inch thick wall, High strength, the 4130 chromoly steel tubing for maximum buckling strength. Adjuster clamps that assure proper clamp force using conventional tools without the possible risk of loosening like loosening like large jam nuts. It's designed with the right hand and left hand threads for quick and easy adjustment when installed in the vehicle. E-coated for longer lasting appearance under high, harsh conditions like the road salt the dreaded road salt. Um, The internal threads and tubes are also e-coated for long-term serviceability. They're designed for proper clearance to other chassis components to eliminate any interferences with the other components. It's a patented design. Also in my Yeti HD or XD kit is the one and a half ton tie rod, and it's a direct bolt-on to my Rubicon. The install for all of this was so easy and simple um, I could have done it. I had somebody else do it for me. I was in the garage with them watching just because I wasn't comfortable at the time, but I would so be able to do it myself. It's that simple. Some of the same pluses with this tie rod are what I mentioned above with the drag link. Plus, I'm going to pull out a few highlights as there are a lot of them, which you can find on their website. The tie, the tie rod ends use a unique reverse pin technology that prevents the steer smarts linkage from flopping or rocking. And you can actually, if you, we did this in a video with Chris where we had both our Jeeps together. He had the Yeti. I still had the stock. He went over to mine and you could move it. It flopped. He went over to his and he tried twisting it and it did nothing. So it, there's no flopping. This technology is built into the socket, unlike the weak external supports and some of the competitor linkages. A large one and a quarter inch rolled threads at the tie rod adjuster and drag link ends provide significantly increased strength 
over the original equipment threads. The ball joints are 30 millimeter, 30 millimeters, one and a half ton ball joints designed specifically for the JK. The steel ball studs provide incredible impact toughness for extreme duty usage, super off-road durability, and I can attest to this. Um, mine has held up so well. It's amazing what it, it, and you can just feel a difference when you're driving. The high quality seals ensure long ball joint life and their superior steels have been rigor, rigorously tested to minimize leakage between greasings. Um, I'm telling you, or, the parts are pricey, very pricey, but it's so worth the money. Um, I highly recommend the Yeti and go check out their website. So you you definitely felt a, a difference. Uh, if I recall right, you kind of felt a little nervous driving on the highway uh, before putting this thing on there. It was uh, just the feel of the wheel, uh, the steering wheel in your hand. It was just uh, you were concerned for your your safety. Right. And it before I put the the steering attenuator on, driving on the interstate was exhausting for me. Um, normally, you see people driving around the road, they're relaxing, their hands just kind of chilling on the, the steering wheel. But for me, I always had that death grip because the minute <laughs> you hit like a pothole, you could feel your, your Jeep just swerving off. And I remember after I got the attenuator put on, I had to drive back from Aberdeen, Maryland to my house, which is about an hour and a half drive. And I was so comfortable, I didn't even realize that I wasn't white-knuckle driving. That was going to be my was, question. If you actually, what, did it just kind of come to you when you were like halfway or almost home? Wait a minute. I didn't right. have to, I wasn't, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not, I don't have to have a nap now because I, I wasn't so tense right. the entire time. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's exactly how it happened. And it does not change how you drive off-road. It doesn't affect any of that. Um and and I'm a a novice, right? Novice jeeper, and there are so much more experienced jeepers than me that have used this, and their reviews are all over um, the the steering attenuator in particular. That it's an amazing an amazing invention that so, this company made so i was uh you know you guys probably do the same thing you have these thoughts when you're you're doing something work or you're doing something else at the moment and you think to yourself i should i should do this and then you don't write it down and then you forget about it so oh, yeah. uh, i've thought a few times uh we need to reach back out to ron north and uh and get him back on the show and talk about this stuff because it, great interview lots of knowledge because he's had so many years of experience uh, Tammy, what do you think? You think you want to reach out to Ron and see if you can uh, schedule something up? I, I like Tammy. I'd really I like would, for you to do that. Well, he has retired from Steer Smart. He'll have more time, but to talk. I'm sure I know. <laughs> but and actually, as a matter of fact, ironically, I think this is probably what struck it in my head. He commented on one of my um, my Jeep therapy pictures when I was driving um, my Jeep topless just the other day. And I made a comment about, oh, polar vortex, you know, something. <laughs> it's like in the 60s here now. Well, uh, well I, I want to learn more about me. this reverse pin ball joint technology that they, that they have going on that reduces or eliminates tie rod roll. I mean, because to my knowledge, there's only one company out there right now that has a product that even remotely addresses this issue. So 
if they have something inherent just in the design of their tie rod ends that that addresses oh. this, I'd like to learn more about it. It wasn't inherent. They specifically uh, made it, manufactured it, too, designed it so that it wouldn't have that issue. Oh, Tammy, man. do you remember if that was actually part of the interview or part of what we were talking about afterwards? Because it almost I, seems it yeah, almost seems it like he was together. He was bringing it in, bringing it in, uh, letting us know about it, you and I. But it wasn't because uh, it was something new. Uh, but anyway, we we interviewed him and he talked about that to us. But I don't recall if it's in one of those episodes that you mentioned or not, Tammy. But he, he definitely uh, talked about that, Josh. It was very impressive, mm. uh, you know, because that's my problem with the, the one ton steering is why in the world uh, if you have a daily driver, why in the world would you want something that swerves all over the road because of the yeah. tie rod roll? So, yeah, yeah. well, yeah. I will definitely, definitely reach out to him. Yeah, um, even cool. if, yeah, even if he's um, uh, retired, he knows everything there is to he's know about. He's listening that. to the show right now, yes, and he's changing sure he his is, number. Yes, <laughs> yes. and I like, oh, don't call. Tammy's going to call me. So uh, I'm thinking it, it might be a good get, just simply from the standpoint, if he's retired for, from Steer Smarts, if he's got any uh, any uh, uh, comments or bad things to say, he probably can okay. say them now. Right. <laughs> I, I don't think there's on, anything. Get in on the uh, the steer sparks gossip. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You have an idea for a product review? Just visit our contact page and let us know what you'd like to hear on our next product review. And coming up in a few minutes, we're going to hear a little about some events that are happening in your hometown and around the nation in wheeling wear. Oh, good. You got the Route 1-6 fire pit going. I need it. Yay. I want one. <laughs> that thing is so cool. I thought you brought this one. <laughs> well, I'm going to be doing some fabrication uh, stuff here in the near future. I, I uh, discovered a, um, well, a, a very bad nasty, I'm going to call it. I, I, my panhard bar mount, uh, track, uh, track bar mount, was sheared uh, partially off the frame. Uh, had a crack in it across one weld, and uh, that just simply will not do. Uh, started grinding it in there, uh, grinding out that weld, and, and discovered that um, the, the first time it was welded, it didn't really get the penetration that I was thinking it, it, it had. Uh, and so I spent uh, a good portion of, of this last weekend both redoing my, my uh, HVAC work that I was doing, but also um, grinding welds off and, and putting new welds in and uh, clean the stuff up. Yeah, it's just a, a a lot of welding work, and all of it, most of it, was upside down or or um, partially oh. at an angle, uh, which Yuck. is just not fun at all. And yeah, I, I got a little splatter burn and and stuff like that. But you know, what can you do? Uh, but uh, got that done. Got the new radiator in and shifted forward, like I was talking about doing. Uh, I did um, uh, re-drill its uh, vertical mounts on the uh, on the core support. And moved the top angle of the uh, of the radiator forward some, um, uh, which uh, gave me some a little bit more working room for my 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 e-fan mod, um, which I've got uh, reports on. Um, I did some testing th over the weekend and uh, discovered that even without a shroud, uh, the fan in my garage in uh, you know I think we're in 30s and and low 40s degree temperature uh, 20s right now currently, but. Um, with that temperature um, in the garage, uh, just you know, letting it warm up, three heat cycles, letting the fan come on, cooled the engine down in less than one minute each time. So I'm I'm very happy about that. Um, obviously, ambient temperatures have something to do with it, 
Uh, so that's why I'm going to be making a uh, making some shroud, uh, doing some shroud work, uh, trying to get that thing all sealed in. Uh, but uh, really, uh, just some minor things. I got to build a bracket for my PA horn. Um, I got to do a couple little bit bits of welding, uh, some finish work, get some my get some panel interior panels put in, and and I'm I'm ready to go. Excellent. I like hearing that you've uh, busy, busy, long oh, time coming. Lots, lots of work. Yeah, a lot of busy work. Well, today I took my son to the bus stop and as i'm coming home i have to be careful now because my son parks his corvette in the garage and so i have to roll down my window to make sure i don't hit anything because it's a really tight fit and i couldn't roll down my front windows and i kept pushing the button and pushing the button and i tried them all the two front ones didn't work but the two back ones would go down so of course you know i'm like shoot this is going to be an expensive computer fix so I get on Facebook right away, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is what happened. And um, Tony, you're going to laugh, but uh, Chris from Overclocked, he did a video on this, and he said, watch this. But he said, hint, turn your Jeep off and turn it back on. <laughs> have, you, and, have you tried rebooting your, uh, yeah. your exactly. Jeep? <laughs> And that and that did the trick. And it's funny because then other people were commenting. They're like, oh, my God, my Jeep did that, too. I guess it's a thing for the Wranglers for the front two windows not to work. But then all of a sudden you turn the Jeep off and they work again. I don't know why. Um, the other thing is um, all my YouTube videos, my how-to videos, and the, the how-to use the magic buttons vi video. Some smart aleck, I think he was being a smart aleck, goes, <laughs> why don't you you should do a how-to on use, how to use the steering wheel. And I'm like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so I don't get it. Well, the, you turn it this way to go left. You turn it this way oh, to go right. Oh, he's talking about no. the, the videos being very basic. How to use the right, steering wheel. Like okay. how to, and, and how to use the magic buttons. You just freaking push the button. <laughs> um, so that's going to be my video this Sunday, folks. And actually, there are things in that video that I bet – some of you older people did not know. Oh, I'm sure there's things that a lot of people don't know. They, they didn't read about it or it's never come up or they just assumed it worked a different way. That's the great thing about the videos. And uh, you don't just have like, to. Just like the interview today with the, with the brake fluid. Yeah. It, it, it's just because you think you know something doesn't mean you do. It, it, just because it's conventional wisdom doesn't mean it is. So it's, it's always great. And, and the great thing about those videos is. If you're an idiot and you didn't know, <laughs> nobody know. knows you were an right. idiot. <laughs> so um, I think um, one of my other videos I might do is um, Jeep for Dummies. Oh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's it for me. So got a uh, got my radio in, uh, radio got my radiator installed. Uh, the FM Jeeper was talking about it's all aluminum radiator, 157 bucks from uh, from Amazon, free shipping. Uh, it just amazes me. And uh, it uh, it fit quite nicely. I spent a lot uh, a lot of extra time moving the uh, uh, B and M uh, transmission cooler from kinda in front of the mechanical fan side, fully over to where the electrical fan side is on my XJ. And um, it's uh, it's it's been working very well. I uh, haven't had any issues today. I uh, had a check engine light uh, getting to work. I was uh, a little concerned by that. It it happens occasionally uh, on the, the XJ, very very rarely, and uh, I, I don't really think two to two seconds about it. You know, it's some little something. I clear it, and it's fine for for another thirty thousand miles. 
Um, in other words, it's something that's not uh, really important. I don't know, misfire. I don't know. It's kind of kind of hard to to to, to mention. Uh, it, it happens so infrequently. Anyway, today it was it was a serious issue. It was a transmission issue, and it's uh, basically saying that the uh, uh, input uh, speed sensor is causing uh, has an issue. It also said that uh, one of the solenoids has an issue. And um, I, I'm th- I'm thinking I was talking to my buddy Matt about it, and I'm thinking it's probably the input sensor that's causing all the uh, all the other things. So uh, I'll be looking at trying to uh, uh, find and install an input sensor. Uh, input? Am I saying it right? Yeah, there's an input and output. So if if they mismatch, if they don't both see what they're expecting to see, they think the transmission is slipping. And if the transmission is slipping, it starts doing things like putting it into limp mode. So, you know, it's, it's a 20-year-old vehicle, so it, it probably is sensor time. I'm going to check the wiring first. Uh, and I think there is actually an ohms test that I can do on that sensor before spending the $155 for the Mopar version uh, to replace it. But uh, There you go. But it probably is just a sensor issue. And if not, well, it might be time for another transmission rebuild. I hope not, but mm, that's, that's, the, that's the worst case. It's not going to... Uh, the, the, the Cherokee will not die simply because the transmission has an issue. Hey, do you want to join in on the campfire side chat? Let us know what you have to say and, well, have some fun with us. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out all the ways that you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. Now some events from around the world and maybe in your neck of the woods, too. And don't forget to let us know about the, an event that you know about or that you're planning or that you're involved in. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Fill out, uh, click and fill out our wheeling wear form. That information comes straight to us. And we will get it straight out on the show. Coming up here, April 13th through the 21st. I know it's a little ways away, but want to give you some time to plan for Moab, Utah. Easter Jeep Safari, folks. This is a big one. Tens of thousands of Jeepers all flock to Moab, Utah to participate in one of the largest Jeep events in the nation. April 13th through the 21st. Make sure you uh, mark the date. Also, uh, Jeep Beach happening in Daytona Beach, Florida. This is also a big one. Another one where thousands of Jeepers come around April 24th through the 27th on this one. Of course, if you'd like to know more information about these events or any of the events that we talk about here on the show, we will have the links and information over at JeepTalkShow.com website for this episode or any of the ones that you're listening to. And that's it for the show for this week, fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to follow us on the Twitterverse. Yes, believe it or not, we do that too, at Jeep Talk Show. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. So if Jeep is the most awarded vehicle brand, and this is the Jeep Talk Show, does that mean vicariously we are the most awarded Jeep podcast? No. Of course not. Casting since 2010.